Are you ready? Yeah. Of Crooked Kingdom yeah. by Lee Bardigo. Yeah. Yes. So let's talk about the map. I'm joking. Map. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It has sure. a. It has like two really nice maps. Like, let's be real. I've got my coffee in front of me. That's what I'm saying. Man. That's why you what? That's why I'm saying that. I have my coffee open in front of me. Oh, your coffee. I think it's your coffee. I'm going to get my coffee. Yeah. <laughs> the signed coffee. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. See, I had Six of Crows signed, so my Cookie Kingdom is sadly unsigned, but yes. Good map. So opening with this, we have an edge has been kidnapped. And Kaz is gonna go get her. <laughs> Parkouring over those feelings for a nudge. Yes, parkour's over feelings. Uh, we discover more about Wyland and his backstory. There is a minor revolution in Kaz and his gang. Everyone is hunted down by Wyland's father, and there are flying Grisha and uh, random events. Yeah, that, that would be a summary. Like. The prologue starts with another character that just dies. Yes. How does he die? I think he's one of the ones that gets kidnapped by the flying Grisha. That would make sense. And that's where we open up with the flying Grisha showing, hey, this problem that we touched upon in the first book has grown exponentially into a force of terror to reign upon the citizens. So we've seen why... Bolio Barrel, your Bayer's formula for Grisha's superpowers was important in the first one with that opening, and now we've seen it explode into something. We, even though we've wrapped up kidnapping Kue Yobo mm-hmm. and all that good stuff, mm-hmm. I think it's um, it's interesting how even though like the the characters are are really the forefront, she still manages to like tie in that underlying plot like really well yeah yes and i think she did a brilliant job setting up these two books because like i said she introduces this problem the first one but the first book is really a heist book it is purely we're here to introduce the characters and have that oceans 11 Mm -hmm. gonna gather up our team and break into a place heist story and so it's kind of fun with that and it's i think it's an excellent way to set up these are the skills the characters have. And this is how they interact. Now we're going to put them out into a playing field, playing field that's gotten a lot more complicated and more political. Yep, yep, definitely. And it probably helps that um, the Grisha trilogy did a lot of the the base world building in terms yes. of like, uh, the relations with the other countries. Yep. And I haven't read all of it. I've only read like the first one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... I can definitely see where it ties in. Yes. Actually, like having read it after reading these ones. Yep. Kind of the wrong order, but it, it it definitely helps, especially when you get later down, like further down in the book, when like everything kind of starts to escalate a lot more. Right. And all the countries are starting to come together, but yeah. Mm-hmm. And you have characters appearing from previous books, and you they're they're significant in these books, but they mean a lot more if you've read the previous books. They've got more of that impact, which yeah. is also really cool, I think, too, um, because you meet the characters as strangers through most of the gang, aside from Nina, who knows, like, Genya and those other Grisha from Ravka, mm-hmm. but you're meeting them as strangers here, and if you've read the original trilogy, then you have more familiarity familiarity with them, and you can approach them more like Nina does, like, oh, this is my familiar world that's kind of stepping into here. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's super interesting because I didn't read it before, so I didn't know who these characters were. Right. And, like, even though, like, the whole, um, who the, the pirate dude is is supposed to be like, oh my god, this is this, like, really cool crossover mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. Like, I don't know who you are, but you seem cool, so. Yep. So, I don't know, you've got that good sense of the characters and a good sense of their presence. Mm-hmm. 
know who they are. Um, I do. Speaking of the characters crossing over there, I am curious. Do you remember the girl with the the white assassin that Nedge fought, who was crazy and was like, "Yes, I have a claim on Dracula." The who? Danyasha. Possibly. That sounds familiar. It sounds like a name she would have. Um, but I don't. Do you know if she was explained beyond what was given in the book? Uh. Because she, to me, I don't know how you felt that. I felt like she appeared out of nowhere. She felt like she was a powerful force that we have no grounding for. And she's kind of stepped into here. So I'm curious if the, she's a setup for something Lee Bardugo has in the future. Or if she was just a force that wasn't quite as fleshed out as the rest of the world because the book was so big. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get what you're saying. And I, I kind of agree that she did come out of nowhere. And it felt like she was a reference to something that you didn't really know what it was. Like, when I read it, I just kind of assumed that she was a character from the previous books. Right. Um, but I'm guessing that's not actually the case. As far as I'm aware, I have not seen that being actually the case. But I might have missed something. Um, if I missed it, though, it was something small in the scope mm. of things. Okay. Well, yeah. Like, I, I agree with it. That it, it did... Like, at least the way she popped up was kind of, like, boom. It wasn't like she was there in, like, previous chapters that you could be like, oh, look, she Mm -hmm. was listening. We didn't actually notice it because she was just in the background kind of thing. Right. Yeah. And she's a cool force, and I think she's an important force because she definitely makes an edge push herself, and she's kind of met her match in this girl in a lot of ways, and you feel fear for her because this girl's crazy, and she's very good at what she does. Mm-hmm. But she feels kind of like a plot device or a reference to something you don't understand in that sense um, because she's not fleshed out. So she was an interesting element that I don't necessarily think was one of the strongest elements in this book. Is it possible that, um, that, like you were saying, that she is going to be in something that Lee Bardugo is going to be writing in the future? Because she's writing a, a series about, about Nikolai, right? Right. And I'm curious if she is going to play into that or if Lee Bardugo has even more things flung, flung into the future that this is seeds for. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of sad because like, no matter what happens, you know right. where the character is going to end up. Right, but it doesn't even necessarily need to be about the character, but more about the force she represented, too, because she was talking about she was trained by these people, and she has this destiny, so maybe there's a horde of these girls in this cult that trains these crazy girls and tells them they're actually heirs to the throne. Maybe they are actually heirs to the throne. We just don't know. Conspiracy theories. Spooky things. Yeah. That, That would be fun, though. It'd actually be really fun. But that's, yeah. book, that's book one, right? Uh, or is that this one, book? That is Crooked Kingdom. Wait, wait, the, the silo thing is in this one? The silo thing is in this one. Oh, I could... <laughs> we have learned that, because, well, we thought that uh, Wyland's dad, um, Van Eck, can't remember his first name. Oh, yeah. He, we thought We thought he was, like, Rich Mercher, just kind of... Not a great father, not a great a lot of things, but he's just a stupid merchant and he just wants his his person and his money. And then it turns out he is smarter than we anticipated, and uh, he tricks Kaz, and he has an edge, and they gave him fake money. I think it was fake money. Did they give him fake money? No, I don't know. Maybe they took the money, too. I felt like Kaz lost his money one way or another, but I might be... I think uh... I'm actually thinking of Thief Lord. <laughs> <laughs> I know Kaz got a lot of money because he, he ended up buying a nice boat. He did, but you know, they also kind of completely took over Vanek's entire inheritance or legacy that's or all oh, his estate. Yeah, so he, he and and didn't they bring down Pecorolins? Isn't Peck he get Pecorolins money too? Yeah, because he, he ends up Kaz finds out about his son and ends yeah. up like Which was a gorgeous ending. Oh yeah, that was great. That's like skipping ahead again, though. Yes, but. we should probably we should probably calm calm <laughs> back down. Let's go jump. I think with that beautiful ending, because there are yeah. things I want to say about that ending. Um, I I really like that the book starts like after the prologue. It starts with Wyland's point of view. Yes, which is a really important establishing point because I feel like this is a big story about his family. 
mm-hmm. and his character and how he's grown and how he interacts and all that. Yep. Again, very clever. Um, mm-hmm. And we immediately start opening, not immediately, but pretty close, and we start opening with questions about Wyland's family, including um, his mother's name, things about her mother, which leads us to discover, hey, your mother's not dead. Yeah, that's... Hmm. That was interesting. Yes, which was a very interesting plot point. Also bringing out more of that Kaz, hey, I know this, and uh, (laughs) sent you off to go figure this out. And he pulls that. You think you figured this out on your own, but you didn't. Mm-hmm. Kaz is such a beautiful, oh. beautiful. Best manipulator. <laughs> uh-huh. Ten out of ten. Would not cross again. And then while, like, in the midst of all this confusion, while it's just looking at Jesper, and I'm like, yes! And Kue is also looking at Jesper. That is true. <laughs> but but Kue, Kue is just like, he's just, he just wants to cause drama. He does. And you know, his life is full of so much drama already to begin with. I don't know why he wants this. I don't know if he just gave up on any semblance of normalcy and just like, we're going to cause as much turbulence as possible. (laughs) But I don't know. They kidnap him. Like, oh, look at this poor kidnapped child and his father and all this stuff. And then he's just like, no, I'm going to ruin everything for everyone. But Uh I'm also going to be a helpful tool in parts. But I also want Jesper. Yes, but Jesper. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny. Anyways, the the thing that gets me though is like you start with a violin and then you go to Matthias and I'm like, mm. very different. Yeah, <laughs> different people and different problems, but also and, love <laughs> and very different paths. Yes, but, like they both kind of go down this path of kind of like redemption mm-hmm. in Wyland's way it's him learning to function within this world that like he might not necessarily have felt like he belonged to before and being able to stand up for himself and you know not let people step over him yes and Matthias's way it's kind of like learning how to accept the that everything is not going to be the way that hello I said, I said, right. Did you hear? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it for a second. Oh, that's that's interesting. Yeah, but like, it's like learning how, how to accept that everything's not going to be the way that you think it should be, right. and that then if you think it should be this way, that's not necessarily what's right. Mm-hmm. The way that he goes about learning this and accepting this mm-hmm. is one of the most beautiful and tragic things and I wanted to talk about it last time and I was like mm. yes and we had to quiet about it but we can talk about it now do um, you his, want to his... or do you want to wait until we get to that point I feel like we're going to progress a little haphazardly throughout this whole thing so yeah. if you're on the topic of Matthias we can probably progress through that arc um, I do want to say overall though for his story his, it's wonderfully handled in that there's not a she tells she shows she doesn't tell there's not a point where he says hey these Ketterdam heathens are really not that bad and they have some good points about life and rockins are not wishes and so on he he navigates things by seeing how his his fellows are behaving compared to the way things have been treated and he feels a soured sense of this isn't the way I remember it being and I can kind of see points now and I can kind of see how tragic this is becoming and he breaks that cycle mm-hmm. or he starts to break yeah. that cycle <laughs> the, the, the thing that I love about Matthias's character is that he, he he's very like based in religion and I find yeah. that really interesting in like books when people explore that yes and the fact that it's like the fact that he doesn't turn away from his religion mm-hmm. he just learns to look at it from a different point of view yes so it's like, go ahead. No, go, go. I was gonna, I was gonna jump to Inej and say Inej does that similarly, which I really appreciate. Where she keeps her Sule saints and she admits I, I have sinned, but she still holds on to those beliefs, and she still holds on to beliefs about how the good in people and redemption in people, which is what allows her to interact with Kaz. So overall, I think the way Bartigo's handled the characters and their beliefs and how they perceive the world, even when they're put through turbulence, has been really well rendered. Mm-hmm. And that, that's true. That's, a, that's 
Like, I didn't notice it until you just said that, but like the redemption thing is pretty much a big player with all of the characters. Yes. It's not just like Wylan and Matthias. It's like all of them in some way are going through this path to try to um, kind of move themselves from like where they are to a place where they think is better and right. like improve themselves along the way. And it's so interesting how she manages to do that in like two books. Yes. While also juggling like this complex political plot around right. it. <laughs> Not to mention set up for a world that is a fantasy world that you can jump into even if you haven't read the Grisha trilogy. Yeah. So that was very well handled. And in well, I think in a lot of ways, if you break down the two books, the first book is kind of, you introduce the characters, you spend a long time introducing their sins and their realization of things they'd like to change about themselves or ways they want to be, to be with certain people or to make up with certain things. And then this book, which is full of the revolutions and the plots and all that, is that path of redemption and finding out how they're going to do this now that they've had a new mindset. Yep. But like Matthias's redemption is the it's the most painful. It is. Because he, he gets to this point where he's like, yes, this is how my religion should be. This is what our God is saying or our God has done in like with these Grisha there and this is how we should be looking at it and this is what I'm gonna do and I'm gonna make my people see it this way. And then it's like and then and I think I don't even know if it's a matter of should because I think in any kind of religious situation or just a perception of morality it's not necessarily should because that's an opinion it's a matter of this is yeah. how it could be and things we don't have to be doing this it's a, it's a different path he's opened his eyes to a different path and he's mm -hmm. found that it's acceptable it works with his beliefs and it works with his people mm -hmm. and uh Oh, the the way. So, do you want to do you want to jump into this end scene with for Matthias? Yeah, let's just do it. Let's just... All right. Yes. So the the oh, it hurts so much because when he reaches the the oh the soldier, I cannot remember the uh -huh. name. The the boy doesn't even have a name. Well, the type of soldier that he is, Druskel. When he finds yeah. Druskel, he's seeing himself in that position. He's seeing yeah. himself trapped. And so you have to wonder when the kid shoots him and he's left, he, Matthias has like kind of imparted upon him a question of it's okay and you don't have to do this. That's like, what does that do to that kid? Does that kid then go through the whole, another whole arc where he doesn't quite come into himself or realize this path of what could be until he's faced with another situation that puts him up against his fellows the way Matthias was. Exactly. That's exactly the point. It's a cycle. And it it's is. so, it's so beautiful. It and is. It's so sad, but it is, it's like one of the best endings to a character that I've seen like written because it's just, it's so powerful. Like, because it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like he sees, like when they're at the auction, he sees himself in this boy and he's like, I used to be this angry. I, I know what he's going through. I, 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 and, but, and then it's like when it transitions into him seeing him in the alleyway, like right before he gets shot, he, he doesn't actually think the boy's gonna shoot him. No. Cause he's like, I, I, cause he keeps seeing himself in this boy, but he's not seeing the person he used to be. He's seeing who he is now and putting that on top of what he, he's right. putting what he wants on top of who the boy actually is. He's empathizing, empathizing. Yeah. So while he he himself would not have shot himself, the point the boy is at right now is the point he was at before he yep. met Nina. Yep. Which is why the boy shoots him because the boy is like, "You are you are against everything we stand for. I I have to kill you." Yep. And and it's it, it's the cycle that is just so. Mm. It's and so they both, good. They both act out of love for their country and love for their beliefs. And they're both acting for what they believe is the better path. So the boy's acting yeah. out of that loyalty, that blind, hard, fast loyalty of, you are a traitor now and I need to kill you because you're a danger to my country. And Matthias is acting out of, I'm trying to help you because I'm, I know the way now. I can show you the way. Mm-hmm. 
Oof. Yeah. And then it collides. And it's it's probably one of the most justified, well-performed character deaths I have read. Because there's a lot of times where I feel like, you know, we kill off characters. I say we. Authors, <laughs> maybe us, can kill, kill off characters because you're like, it's realistic. Someone needs to die. It needs to mean something for the main character. And this means, it means something for Lena, but it, not Lena, Nina. But it has more repercussions for Matthias himself and finishing his story and his arc, and then repercussions for the rest of his country. It's resolving how the world is going to move possibly towards a happy ending, if we're talking like in a book wrap up sense, while also making sense for the character arc. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, Matthias had reached this point where he was going to go and try to make change. But now that he's gone, someone else has to reach that point to try to yep. make change. But there's no guarantee that they will be able to make that change because the cycle is going to continue. Yep. Like, deserters are constantly going to keep dying because that is what they have to do. They have to keep killing these people who are going against what their basic foundation of life is. So there's always the chance for this change to happen, but there's no guarantee that it will. Exactly. <laughs> and it's, it's just, uh, it's, it's just one of the most, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's one of the most well thought out and, and it's, oh, it's just so good. And I think it, it rings true in a lot of ways that this is something that would happen. It's something we could see happen. And when we're asking questions even today about how we're improving the world or making the world a better place, I'm not saying like someone has to die, but it's it's a reality that when you're butting heads against something this big and trying to make a change this huge, it's not a simple step and it's not a necessarily, it's not a happy step necessarily either. Mm -hmm. It's huge and it's complex and this is this is how it can start. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also very interesting for Nina too, because Nina was starting to get into the necromancy sort of, because she was controlling bones and all that, wasn't she? If I recall correctly. Yeah. She was controlling bones and there was like a moment there where she was keeping Matthias alive. Yes. Which is also that choice for these characters that there was the choice for, you know, the Drew Skell who shot Matthias, and then there's the choice for Nina too. It's like, I can do this, I can do this. Should I do this? Do I need to do this? What does it mean if I do this? And she has the questions, of course, in the moment that kid's gonna have the questions later on. Oh. Yeah, because eventually he's gonna look back at that moment where he shot Matthias. If he gets to that point that Matthias was at, like, what's he gonna feel when he looks back at that, when he realizes that this person was like, just trying to do what I am thinking of doing now. Right, and I think I think what it really initiates that thought for the kid too, or what could, I like how we have all these hypothetical conversations for this nameless child <laughs> and what he may or may not do as we write this fan fiction. But <laughs> Matthias approaches him as this horrible person, this traitor to his country who has consorted with the witches and who has abandoned everything. He approaches this kid completely non-violently and trying to talk to him and he's he's not armed. I think he was, I don't know, I imagine he had his arms raised like, I am, I'm unarmed, I can't, I won't hurt you. Yeah. It shoots him, and I think that act, when you shoot someone defenselessly, that's what's going to make him question. Because he's a young kid too. Yeah. And, you know, to him, this is probably a big moment. Like I've, I've destroyed this traitor. This means a lot for me. And you're going to think about that scene. But I think the more you think about it, the more wrong it's going to feel. And it's not going to yeah. feel the way you imagine. Because Matthias is not charging him down with a weapon, and he's not, you know, calling him names or taunting him or anything. He's approaching very peaceably and very friendly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would. I would love if she ever brings this character into something else. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't necessarily know that it's him at first, but I, I don't think it's even something that's necessary. That's just something that I, I would enjoy seeing. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. But that's that. That was one of the most. <laughs> That's one of my favorite moments in this book. And I know people are really upset that he died, mm -hmm. but I'm, I'm not even mad. <laughs> is that bad? I don't, I feel like I feel like you're hurt, but you're not upset because it was beautiful. Yeah. 
as terrible it's as like, it is to call that beautiful. It, it was so meaningful yeah. that it's like, I can get behind why this happened. Yes. Oh, it, it's, it's one of those things that's painful in a way that you applaud the author for what they've done and how much this means. Yeah. And it does make you question, though, everything right all over again. It's like it's like one of those moments that, and I'm sorry to bring up another series. This is what I hope happens in the last book in the Red Queen series. Mm-hmm. Where I was saying that, uh, spoilers, I was saying that I hope that everyone dies. <laughs> like all of them. I, I know it sounds bad. I hope that all of the main cast, I hope that Mare dies. I hope that Cal dies. I hope that Maven dies. Like, I, like they all need to die in order for this world to move on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's those kind of meaningful, like it's when you take, a step like that that's kind of unexpected but it means so much right that it's it's like you appreciate it because you know that they did that because it's like this is better for the story as opposed to shock value yes yeah, I think that's what you were saying earlier. Yes. And I think the fact that it happened, the incident happens between Matthias and an unnamed character. We have never encountered this kid before. Like, you glimpse him, of course, and you see he's angry, and Matthias is like, that's me. Mm-hmm. But we don't even know who his name is, so it's not like it's a spoiler. The antagonist, or not spoiler, plus was the antagonist has triumphed over the hero. We don't even feel enough about this kid except for maybe some pity up until the moment that it happens and he's such an insignificant character it's like an npc stepped out of the crowd and stabbed the main character yeah yeah literally where did that come from and you're you are shocked at first it does have that shock value but it's important too and it's it's grounding this the story too in reality in a lot of ways this is how everyone's behaving there's reasons for it there's reasons for everything that has happened oh yeah, so, yeah. You, you made a really good point there that this isn't even anything that has to do with Van Eck, really. No. This is this has nothing to do with like the main conflict of the story. This is this is literally all just Matthias's personal story that's yes. happening here. This is random chance butting heads with Matthias' story and the things he's feeling. And he's behaving in a way he would not have, I don't imagine, at the beginning of the series either. Um, He's he's changed a lot, and his his thoughts have... And I think in some ways the way he's changed emotionally are the reasons he's dead, which also hurts. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, change is is hurtful, and it's dangerous, and it's difficult. And it's all hammered home. Yeah. Okay, I think I, th- I think we've concluded this. Oh, uh, the painful silence. Oh, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> do we want to uh, discuss a bit of of Kaz's and Inej's arc and growth in here? Yes. Although I remember far less of it than Matthias. I am sorry. Well, this is, this is fair. I have several scenes. Oh, there's some beautiful scenes with Kaz and uh, Jesper in here, too. And there's some beautiful Aww. scenes with Kaz trying to, you know, no longer really able to deny that Inej means a lot to him because, you know, he's got to get her now. He can't parkour over those feelings. Nope. Nope. Oh. And they have their trust moments. And it's... it's When Kaz bursts in... Well, first of all, when Inej is on the table and they are about to break her legs... I don't think I have felt that scared in a moment in a book, especially a YA book for so long. It was horrible. That was terrifying because they, in the way they taunt her, it feels so real. And you feel a physical sense of her hopelessness and like, oh, she is really not getting out of this because the Wraith can do anything. But in this moment, you realize she can't get out of this. We don't know where Kaz is to come and get her. We don't know where anybody is to come and get her. So we're not prepared. We don't know how it's going to end. And then I was, it was, oh, it was horrifying. And then Kaz does bust in and retrieve her, if I remember properly. Mm-hmm. Does he? I'm pretty sure he does. I might. Isn't, isn't that when they, like, kidnap the, the, the wife? The, yes. Vanek's young bride, Alice, I believe her name uh, is. I don't remember. I just know that she's bad at singing and likes to play piano. And I felt a weird kind of a affection not want to say affection towards her but i was like you know you're okay for being the uh, young wife of one of the most terrible people in this book 
it's it's because she kind she kind of doesn't really know what's going on. No. So she's just kind of there. So you're like, you really haven't done anything. You're just kind of wrapped up in this because your husband's horrible. Yeah, and and I don't know. There's there's ways she she treats the the dregs when they have her kidnapped. Like I think she comments on how young they all are. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of instances in here too where we they they point at the characters and go, you know, you're really young for all this. I love when uh, Jesper's father comes in. Jesper's father was a big arc I wanted to discuss because I love Jesper's father. Uh, but you got these characters who are super normal who step in and kind of, I feel like they ground them in some ways where they, they step in and go, you know, what are you guys really doing? You're really young for all of this to be happening. And everyone's like, we don't care. We've got stuff to do. Um, yeah. But yeah, she, I don't know. She was an in- interesting little incident that happens. Um, I love that Jesper's father comes in to actually check on his kid because I think it was a great interaction, first of all, of not having dead parents in a YA novel to be, you know, conveniently out of the way, but having yeah. a parent who not only is alive, but having a parent who's like, I haven't heard from my kid in a long time. Let me go see what's wrong and disrupting uh-huh. the flow of the story. Because this could easily, easily have been a story where, where Jesper just kept lying to his dad and they're like, we'll take care of the business. And then Jesper goes, goes faces him. But everything comes head to head a lot more early on because Jesper dad, Jesper's dad comes to town and is like, I have, I have no idea what's going on. Please tell me what's happening. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so good because it's not like he just turns up to cause conflict. He turns up, he brings that conflict, but then he also helps to solve some of the yeah. problems that we're having. Yes. So he ties into it in like a meaningful way, yes. which is great. I love, I love the moment. I love any time Kumbahe is, or Fehe, I think it was, I think I was pronouncing it wrong. I think I looked in the back and it was like Fei or something like that. I love when he calm steps in and interacts with Kaz at any moment because you have Kaz Brecker, who is Dirty Hands, the bastard of the barrel, one of the most terrifying people on these streets, who's next to father figure who's just really chill and relaxed and having no clue who he is and just says you are a boy and you are not behaving very well and i i need to know that you guys are all okay (laughs) you don't you don't ask that i love when kaz is fighting jesper and he's like aren't you two what's wrong with you two aren't you friends and kaz is like hmm that word what (laughs) friends what? What is friends? Who is this parent figure? What are those? So <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. But is it this book where he slips up and he calls Jesper Jordy? Yes. 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 Who is yes. Jordy? And that's when you really realize too the kind of connection that he's been carrying around with Jesper for all of these books. Mm-hmm. And it kind of puts a lot of his actions regarding Jesper into perspective because he's given Jesper a lot more chances than yes. he's given like anyone else <laughs> Jesper nearly got them all killed multiple times and uh Kaz is like you never do this again but he doesn't try and kill Jordy he doesn't bust his face up and throw him over a boat he doesn't yeah. do anything he's just like don't do it <laughs> I, I know you did this don't do it again I think it's another instance of things coming full circle too, though, because yeah. Kaz trusted his brother Jordy to take care of things, and Jordy didn't. And Kaz looks at Jordy, going, "You, you know, you were a stupid farm boy. I don't know why you didn't know anything." And it's because they were young. But now Kaz is the one who's in charge. Mm-hmm. And Jesper's, in some ways, and Je- he sees Jesper as his brother. But now Jesper is the one who's listening to him. So it's kind of that reversal of if these are the things I could have done. Redemption arc, too. These are the things I could have done to have saved us both. These are the behaviors I could have had Not that, you know, I would recommend Kaz's behavior, but this is how they could have survived Ketterdam. Mm-hmm. I think shortly after the clash with Jesper and all that, because um, they're holed up in the hotel, mm-hmm. that's like, what are we going to do? And Kaz starts making plans. And one of his first plans is to go over to the slat where the dregs are and to take control of his gang again because they have seen um, whatever his name is, who is the figurehead of the dregs, parading around with a crow on a stick saying, let's go kidnap Kaz. <laughs> and Kaz says, there's a reason we don't do this. Let me go remind you. That yeah, farewell me... fight. <laughs> oh, so good. Oh. It's so good. I love seeing, like, 
I love seeing the art for that. I love, though, that comic on Tumblr. Is that what you're referring to? Uh, I don't know if it was a comic, but I remember seeing, like, a, just a still illustration. And it's Kaz with, like, his sleeves pushed up, and he's holding the cane, and he has, like, cuts on his face, and his hair is messed up. And I'm like, <laughs> yes. I need to see that. I will I will find that comic for you on Tumblr. The author reblogged it. It is gorgeous. There was, um... It's one where he's making eye contact with an edge who is watching the whole fight from the stairwell and saying, I got this. Don't interfere. Aww. Essentially that, oh, but with much more class as the writing does in this book. But yes, opening with that dramatic entrance of, hey, I'm in the slat, I'm on the stairwell, and then following up with, come at me, and uh, fighting with, and uh, he rips out nails from the floorboards and stabs people. He smiles with bloody teeth. He thoroughly intimidates everybody and uh, pulls a power play and is like, hey, I'm in charge now. Mm -hmm. Just to remind you, in case you forgot. Yeah, it's... It's, uh, it's like Kaz just finds the most dangerous and outlandish ways to do something that he could have done much easier. Yes. He could have done things more subtly, but there wasn't time yeah. for that either. And he needs that image too. A lot of a lot of what Kaz does is imagery. Like when he tells people, he doesn't. Well, he doesn't doesn't tell people the reason he wears gloves because he has spreads those rumors. But he never says anything about the rumors. It's yeah, a he lot just of imagery. Going. Yes. It's like the rumors add to his um, his image, like you're talking about. They, it just adds to like the the enigma of Dirty Hands. Exactly. And he's he's a magician and more ways than being a literal magician with the cards and all that because he can put up illusions and put up fronts. I love the way they tie in just straight persona and everything that happens in here. I don't know. I feel like there's a it's a lot of understanding gang dynamics and mixing it with illusions of power and stuff like that. And, you know, Kaz has actual physical power to back it up, as we've seen, which really <laughs> helps, but half the time he doesn't need to use it. And I think... I don't, I don't know if we actually saw him fight that hard in any other part in the book physically. Because no. half the time he's scheming, so he finally rolls up his sleeves in this instant and beats the crap out of everybody. And you realize this is why he is more of a monster than most people, because he can back anything up he does physically. It's... It's... it's the... Like you're saying, most of the first book is him letting like Inej go out and do the, you know, the hard stuff, and like yes. letting Jesper go out and do the shooting, or you know, getting Matthias to do like the 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 heavy, the heavy lifting. <laughs> yeah, you know. So it's it's it is really cool to see Kaz in that situation. Yes, especially given the fact that he's already pretty beaten up when he gets there. Yes. He's not in, like, the best health, I would, I guess. No, and he's crippled to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, it ties in with the... There's, there's a basic theme in this book of gambling a lot. Oh, yes. There's a lot of, of risk-taking, and there's literal, like, casinos and gambling. I remember what I was going to say. It was about Jesper's gambling. Yes. And how um, it was interesting that they went the route that... How Grisha kind of get sick when they don't use their abilities, but Jesper's sickness wasn't physical sickness, it was his addiction to gambling. Yes, it's his restlessness, too. Yeah. I and, and I liked that aspect of it, as opposed mm -hmm. to, like, when you read the first book. Um, not the first book, when you read um, Shadow and Bone, it's literally Elena actually physically, like... She's always ill and she's always, you know, not the best looking and she's kind of a shadow of herself because she's suppressing who she actually is. Yeah. Is that, so is that, I, that what you're referring to? Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. referring to. And, and I like that, that contrast because it kind of, it not only lends itself more to the story, but it kind of... I think it lends itself to the theme of when you're denying a part of yourself that is a part of, you're hurting yourself physically or you're like Jesper, you're restless and you're looking for something and you're needing something, you're feeling, you're trying to feel something in you, mm -hmm. even as you're denying something. Yeah, exactly. Which is another good self that isn't really completely there, I think, until you examine it. The uh, idea of suppressing 
like it, it just having to be yourself and I, it, I guess that it is a kind of a theme in how like you know Nina like we were talking about Nina and Matthias are both trying to find a way to navigate the world in a way that fits in with their beliefs but also adapts to the world they're living in the realities they have so it's kind of a theme of being true to yourself and finding yourself mm -hmm. to to improve yourself and to help yourself mm -hmm. and i'm just meanwhile kaz is you know in the corner beating everyone up um, <laughs> let's go get better and kaz does go through that same kind of yeah. like, path too it's just like in a more subtle way his is a more internal struggle whereas theirs is definitely more in touch with like society and yes yeah kaz has that he does have that clash too of denying himself an edge which i hate to phrase it that way because i, I hate <laughs> when in that. <laughs> yeah i don't know i hate to it sounds ugh, phrasing it that way let himself feel feeling yes yes especially for and when everybody knows that that's a thing, he's like, no, it's not a thing. And he's like, okay, it is. And they can start taking steps forward, which is also really nice, too, for both of them, because I feel like both of them ha had to heal in a lot of ways and uh -huh. to find, put, to put themselves together in certain ways to kind of reclaim who they were before they can move on and mm -hmm. be closer to each other. And I also love that they don't really end with um, Kaz and Inej being kissy and in love and we're going to be boyfriend-girlfriend now. They kind of ended in a... They're, they're, it's, it's undeniable they have feelings for each other, but it's also not thrown in your face really heavily. Yeah. Um, they're still they're still working, working out themselves and they're moving slowly in this and in a healthy way in some ways. I feel like you're describing also... anything Kaz does is healthy. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh but it's also like um and that's just leaving anyway. So mm -hmm. she's hopping on that ship and she's gonna go like pirate. Yep. She's gonna free the slaves and save people. Um also favorite part in the book is when Kaz has brought her parents and she's like, <laughs> Oh my god, you brought my parents and he's like, Is my tie straight? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's just the subtlest, or not, it's not subtlest, it's feel, it feels like a really small, subtle thing from Kazbreaker, but it's also a gigantic thing for Kazbreaker. It's like the perfect way to show he cares. Yes. Without being like, I love you. Yes, and I think it was also a beautiful way of making it that meaningful you can show how how important her happiness is to him mm -hmm. and it's not a moment like because i feel like if he just showed up on the docks all well dressed and perfect and he's like i brought your parents and then just kind of smiles as she walks off or whatever it's 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 there's a bit of smugness to this mm -hmm. and it's kind of uh i've done this great thing for you and i'm glad you're happy but now it's like i'm really nervous now because i'm really happy for you but this is also a big moment for me because <laughs> i care so much about you and it's your parents and i want to make a good impression Yes, all the, all the little things. Oh, <laughs> uh, jeez. They're so good. Yes. Also, is it you, uh, no more dead parents on her end, on top of Jesper's end. Yeah. Did, did we ever find out what happened to Kaz's parents? Uh, we never found out what... Kaz's mom is never mentioned once in the entirety of the story. His dad was crushed by a plow when he was young, and that's why he and Jordy left the farm. That's oh, my God one but yeah his mom is still a mystery mm. i feel like i feel like his mom must have been just something such a small deal maybe she died in childbirth or something that it, it wasn't worth mentioning which is again props i think on bardigo's part for only putting in the important things mm -hmm. and also leaving us to maybe chew on our fingernails a little bit wondering if there was something important there i feel like all of the characters nina's kind of the one that gets the least movement if that makes sense yeah, and I think um, she does have that part where she is recovering. A lot of it, I think, is her recovery, too, from the use of the drug in the last book. Oh, and yeah. She gains that ability to command the dead. And so um, she's coming to terms with, I have a new power. It's a frightening power. I don't understand this. What do I do with it? Um, I think she was a little frightened by it at first. I can't quite remember. I might be wrong. Yeah, she was, because it was kind of like, this isn't natural. Yes. 
So now she's faced with something. Because I feel like she's always also been in the position of she. it's easy for her to feel justified and right in her position as someone who was, she's proud Rothkin second army Grisha, but uh, she's hunted by the Druskel. And so she spent a lot of time telling Matthias, look, don't kill my people. We are people and helping him do that. But now she's finding herself in a position where she's different even from her own people. Mm -hmm. um, I think that probably also teaches her something about the Druskel too and how they're viewing viewing her power. It's like, this is different and this is strange and it's frightening her. Oh yeah. This gift that she's had her whole life um, being something wonderful she's always seen as wonderful it's really interesting yeah I, I never looked at it that way i didn't either until just now when i discussed it <laughs> <laughs> it's because we're in this arc of character development going on that that's really that that puts it in a more meaningful light i guess mm -hmm. yeah yeah so it becomes just as much about her learning to accept things as Matthias learning to accept things. Yes. It's, it's empathy on both of their parts, honestly, which is, again, building that bridge for the future. And she's now going to be a huge part of that future because I think her vow to Matthias as he's dying is, I'm going to I'm gonna help us. Because he tells her, does, I think he tells her to, to forgive them or something like that. He tells her something at the end where she has the sense of, yes, I need to carry on this mission we had, but I also need to be understanding about it, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she, she does leave with his body. Mm -hmm. And she is going back to Ravka to try to make changes. So Yes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> that, that's the thing, though. Like, are they going to listen to a Grisha who is also different from other Grisha? That's I get again. That's that upward battle, and that's the same battle the the Druskel who goes Matthias is going to face now too. Because now there's two people who are the odd man out in their own worlds. Where well, possibly we don't know about this kid, but we're assuming for this kid. So they're both I think going to be people learning to bring change and learning to to enter these people and change minds through the experiences that they've had. Mm -hmm. oh. And I think she does. I think that um, having Genya and uh, Zo Zoya, yeah. Uh, Nina having those two as mentors, and those people have you know kind of experiencing what she's been through, and also having seen what uh, Lena goes through in the Grisha trilogy. I feel like hopefully they'll have some respect for what she's done and understanding of her position and helping her with that. So I'm hoping the accumulation of all these characters coming together is going to help these countries politically changing. And I like how we're discussing this, like exactly world politics that we'll be seeing in the future. But that's that's that shows you like how good it is because it is. there's potential beyond what's actually on the page. Yes, like you can make inferences to like what could happen or what will happen based on yeah. like the information that you're given, and that is that's master world building right right there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, Look, yeah, and in a lot of ways, you got these pairs going off to make change because you have Nina returning. Matthias, in some senses, to make change. You've got um, Wyland and Jesper now teaming up to build a better world than what Wyland's father had left, and they're taking care of the estate, and they're going to make positive changes, and they're taking care of Wyland's mom and all that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Inej is going to hunt slavers, and I'm sure Kaz is going to help in some way. Kaz is going <laughs> to watch her go. He's going to help her. He's going to so. count his crew. He is. He is. And they're going to crumble the slaving industry with Kaz's madness. Kuei went with who? Who did he end up with? Kuei, I think, went with Nina to seek asylum in Ravka because he couldn't right. go back to his country because they they were crazy. And we're like, yeah. we're going to use this now. And uh, he couldn't go. He couldn't stay in Ketterdam for, because he's dead. <laughs> True. Uh, he might have he might have been heading elsewhere elsewhere like um, Jesper's country, but I think I think he was going with the Ravkins so he could actually live in a place where he could learn his own power, his own Grisha powers, mm -hmm. and hold those. Nice. Yes, acceptance on all the fronts. Mm -hmm. Full circle. Full circle all around. Mm. Uh, <laughs> it hurts. Yes. Is there anything else we want to discuss in this book as we come to full circle, or do we want to jump to that ending? Um, I think we can jump to the ending because I can't 
really think of anything else we need to discuss. I mean, we could talk about like the the Glenn Grisha, but I don't think you need to because the book is much more character based. Yes. Than, and like all of the other stuff is kind of like the dressing on top. Yes. And the flying Grisha were kind of, again, that hammering head, uh, hammering on the head of this is why that drug is really bad. And this is why everything Kuwe knows and everything the characters do is important. Mm-hmm. Moving us towards this finale. Um, I do want to touch on the finale of bringing down Wyland's father and then moving on to Pekka Rowland's fate, if we're okay with that. Yes. Yes. So I love, I love the ending where Wyland confronts his father again, coming full circle. Um, where he, he comes forward and his father has all these perceptions of him and Wyland, I'm sure, is super nervous because of that connection he has with him. And he pretends to read the paper, but he's still reading that paper and he's showing his own brilliance where he has that powerful memory. Um, I love the fact that Jesper's father also plays a role in all this. Yeah. Which I, it's it's kind of, the politics of it were complicated to me the first time I read it through and it's still kind of complicated reading it through again, but it made sense. So props to Kaz on good scheming. <laughs> I think, like, politics is just complicated in general. Yes. So, like, to be able to recreate that feeling of, I don't quite know what's going on, but I think I do. Yes. Is, is cool. Yes. Um, oh, brilliant. And I think, I don't know if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but I think when Wylan was, quote, reading off of the, the paper, he was, like, remembering Jesper's voice, right? Yes. And I, I love that yes. so much. <laughs> yes. I love, I love the connection and the closeness the two develop. And I love how they support each other and they've helped each other. Mm-hmm. And they're, oh. It's like, they're, they're... despite Kuwait trying to get in between there. <laughs> and Kuwait trying to sink their ship. <laughs> no, it was not happening. <laughs> Westward for life. Sorry, uh, but <laughs> it's just like it kind of hammered home the the connection, like you were saying, between the two of them that they had built up, and like that that trust and the fact that it wasn't just like here are these two characters they're in love. It's kind of like yes, these are two people that have learned to trust each other and have learned to rely on each other in ways, and this is how this person has affected this person. Yes. Because you see a lot of how uh, Wyland has influenced Jesper, and this is how Jesper has influenced Wyland. That's great. It's beautiful. Uh, also, I love appreciate the fact that for Wyland, he gets this moment where he, because he always did think of his inability to read something crippling and and horrible. Um, and it, I think I feel like that that weighed on him for a long time. And now he has this moment where it's it's. It's because it's one thing to say to yourself or have someone tell you like it doesn't matter because like Kaz has always believed in I don't need you for your reading I need you for these things and now he's full Lila is full circle where this is true because he is standing up to his father he's physically standing up to his father and he's fooling his father and tricking his father and, and triumphing despite the the drawbacks that his father always told him he had. Mm-hmm. And it's like the. The, the like just to, to go in on that point that you made, the the tricking of the of his father, I just love that Wyland is such a good actor. Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, like you have this innocent like cinnamon roll, and then he comes in and he's just like, well, I mean, I'm gonna fuck your shit up now. So yeah. he owns it's, everything. He plays himself so well. It's. it's, it's it's so good. Oh. And it was it was one of those things that you read it and you were like, yes. Yes. And he slaps yes. his father in the face with the things he says. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember exactly what he says, but he's, I don't know if he verbally says something like, but father, you've told me X or I think, because I know there was the part where he was kidnapped or whatever. Yes. He was pretending to be kidnapped and he was like, father, why did you do this? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. He was like, why did you do this? No, go, go. I love the fact that the the whole situation, this the heist, the scheme, is set up in a way that you feel concerned when he's kidnapped. You're like, oh crap, the scheme is going to heck. And then you realize, no, this is the scheme. <laughs> it's, like, it's so good. It's so good. Oh, God, I'm, I'm finding the page because we need to read the line. 
I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it, but you can... I don't, keep, I don't know either. You can keep I talking. See, oh, I see Dunyasha. Yep. Council of Tides. Council of Tides also. The, the Council of Tides folks were really a little bizarre to me. Um, yeah, it, it's like they were always mentioned and they were kind of always there, but I feel like I didn't quite understand what they did. And I don't know if that's like reader error because I haven't actually reread this. In I read this twice and it, I didn't feel like there was as much of an impact from them as I was expecting. Um, they have, I think there, there might be something that just has more impact for the world and the people within the world because they're such an important fixation there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a good term. Yeah. Also, the final part of this book is, is part six, Action and Echo, which is gorgeous. Considering everything that happens, and basically we've been talking about the repercussions this is going to all have. Well, here we go. I, I like the fact that the book was split up into parts, because it, it kind of... it Even though it technically doesn't really do anything, it, it kind of paces you. Yeah, and I think also page four forty-five ish is where things start to go bad for uh, Van Eck. Mm-hmm. But on the subject of the sections, I'm, I'm, I've always been the kind of person who has looked at the, the part one, and part two of each book, where I don't know if I fully understand where they're there, unless you're going with like a three-act play structure kind of a deal. If it's a play structure, okay, but. I feel like the sections in these books have worked really nicely because of the way they're titled and how thoughtfully they're titled because it kind of hits home the theme that we're addressing throughout the whole book and how it's building through the whole book. Oh yes, I see it. I'll say whatever you want, Father. Just don't yeah. let them hurt me anymore. It's page 449. Page 449? Yes, it's it's great. I think it, the whole thing is from Kaz's point of view because Kaz is watching this and there's some point where Matthias says, hey, you need to step in because it's going to get bad and Kaz is like, shh, no, this is the good part. Oh, it's Matthias's point of view. That's what it is. There's a point here where where Van Eck also goes, this is Brecker's doing. And you also need to remember again, Jan Van Eck, this grown man who's in charge of all these people, is blaming a 16-year-old for everything that's happening. Yeah. This is that fault. This is the child's fault. Okay, Jan. Like, you, you, what? (laughs) This is when you start to sound like a crazy person. This whole scene, he sounds like a crazy person. He does, and that's, it's so beautiful. Because it's like the perfect payback, and it's coming from his son. And he's just like, Every time he tries to explain anything, it, like, just goes the wrong way. It makes him sound worse. Yeah. And it's, like, half the things that he could say that would explain it would just incriminate himself so he can't say them. Exactly. Exactly. They've blamed... They've they've pinned him by blaming him for things he hasn't done instead of trying to prove the things he... Mm-hmm. She's very smart. I also appreciate flipping through this ending. The fact that the Queen's Lady Plague, which is the plague that killed Jordy, makes a reappearance in some ways with the uh, plague alarms that Kaz sets off. He knows this is the one thing that'll freak everybody out and close all of the ports immediately is if we get these, these plague alarms going. And he knows this from his personal experience, which is painful. Yep. Good full circle. Oh, no. I just found the chapter with Matthias again. Yeah. No, oh, we don't need that. Nest. Nope. Stay where you are. Do not be afraid. Fear is how they control you. We'll find a way to change their minds. If the boy had only been with the Order six months, he could be reached. There's so much in the world you don't have to be afraid of. If you would only open your eyes. I told you to stay where you are. You don't want to hurt me. I know. I was like you once. I'm nothing like you, said the boy, his blue eyes blazing. Matthias saw the anger there, the rage. He knew it so well, but he was still surprised when he heard the shot. It's so good! Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> what was the pause? God, I'm just processing that. Also, I love the I love hated the fact that it's on a gunshot. Like, who shot? I'm, I'm waiting for someone else to have stepped in and fired a, another shot. I'm waiting for something else that happened. But no, that was the boy's gun. And it's like Matthias's last chapter is page 497. Mm. And it's like one paragraph. Mm. Nope. 
I don't need that. Okay. It's so, it's so beautiful. It's 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 sad, but it's beautiful. And yeah, yeah. And I appreciate like the the pronunciation things at the back, even though I never actually looked at it. Yeah, I didn't even know they were there until recently, and then I realized, oh, this is helpful. Okay. On that sad note. <laughs> yes. Let's go to vengeance and redemption. All the beautiful things. Ooh. Because right. the demise of Pekka Rollins is a two-part setup. It's so good. And it is terrible and gorgeous. So good. You, mm. get, you get the, the, the Kaz part, and then you get the Inez reinforcement. Yes. Just in case Pekka Rollins wasn't scared enough, um, I was horrified. Just like, you know, it was, it was like a nedge on the table again, about to get her legs broken, except I'm horrified for Pekka Rollins' son, of all people, when Kaz is like, I buried him alive somewhere. <laughs> oh. If you look now, you oh, might no, be able okay. to find him. Because that was also a moment where I'm looking at Kaz Bricker, and I'm wondering for real if I'm going to be did able to back actually... this child by the end of this book. You're like, did you actually just bury a child alive? I can't tell. Your poker face is too good can't and I was looking at him and then you have that horrible moment where at least I know I know he could do I can mm -hmm. see him doing that it's, it's so easy for me to believe that and I think you know back in book one the beginning of book one maybe he would have actually done that if he had his hands on pick a wrong son yes he he did and so Casway pulled what he did on Van Eck where he's he's laying false threats on him instead of saying accusing him of false crimes he is threatening him with something so horrible and so threatening and so kaz brecker pecker rollins doesn't doubt for a second that kaz has done this mm -hmm. i also yes, love I... the fact that kaz is threatening him and saying you ha if you tell me my brother's name i'll tell you where he is but i need my brother's name i don't think anyone knows Kaz has a brother or had a brother at any point nope. so everyone's staring at him going wait where did this come from and mm -hmm. now all this history is laid open and mm -hmm. no one knew about it aside from Kaz and Inej. Pekka Rollins didn't even know what Kaz's beef with him was. I don't even I don't know did Inej even know about Jordy? I don't remember. She does know about Jordy there was a point I don't know if it was on the Oh, I think it, it might even have been in book one. There was some point where Kaz opened up to her for a full two seconds and said, I had a brother and Pekka Rollins took him from me. And then that was the end of the conversation. Go. Because very we're not, yeah, we're not lingering on that. That's all you need to know. Was it, was that before or after he took his gloves off in the van and passed out? Oh, I feel like it was after i think it was after that because there's that at that point she she's really needing to know what's wrong with him and it's, it's like the the thing you were talking about earlier that dirty hands is basically like his reputation yeah and he needs that reputation because if he didn't have that reputation what he did to pecker rollins wouldn't have worked no no it's not like, at all he would have been this 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 child too big for his boots walking up to pecker rollins but false threats and pa Pekka Rollins would be secure and knowing my son is safe and you're bluffing. Mm -hmm. There's no way. But, but it's like the, the, the fact that this is this is Kaz Brecker telling me that my son has been buried alive. It's like, oh crap, my son is buried alive. Yes, there's that niggling doubt, and I oh, it's horrible and great at the same time too. That an edge who's standing there watching that says, oh no, Kaz, I can't believe you actually did this. Please do not do this. And she starts she starts begging him next to Pe Pekka Rollins not to do this, which probably makes things scarier for Pekka Rollins because Kaz's own hench person is like, oh god. Oh, monster. <laughs> when the it people who are following you are concerned. Yeah. It's like when your enemy is concerned for your son, then you you really need to be concerned for your son. Yes. Uh, and then that same enemy like sneaks into your house at night and she's like, I'm watching you. Yeah, just in case you didn't know that we could find you, even though this was a bluff, we could find you. Don't be yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, That's like a... no go. I was gonna say it's also reinforcing the fact that Inej is dangerous, 
even though, because I feel like a lot of this has been her softening or being able to soften up a little bit more through the book. Like she faces terrible things, but she's able to come to that peace with herself. And she's, you know, begging Kaz not to let the sun die. And she and Kaz are reaching a happy point in their lives and they're going to be good for each other. And she's like, okay, he's opening up to me. And he's like, I'm opening up to people. It's great. And then there's that reminder of Inej is still the race that has not changed. Pekka Rollins had better not come back. <laughs> I feel like, in some ways, Inej is more dangerous than Kaz. Possibly. Because Kaz has taught her a lot of things. Yeah. And she's been around them for so long that she's been able to pick up on, like, the way that he kind of manipulates people. Because if she hadn't, she would not have known to do what she did in the way that she did it. That's true. That's very true. What she did was a very, that was a very Kaz thing to do, except that she actually put a knife basically to his throat. Right. Like, in addition to it. She has the potential to be just as scary, if not scarier than Kaz. I feel like Kaz would, they would both have a different presence. To ever go full out Kaz. Um, but she would have a different presence, but she could e- easily be just as scary, if not scarier, because like you said, she actually will put a knife to your throat. She doesn't leave a doubt. She can sneak in to anywhere, basically. You won't know she's there. Kaz can't do any of that because he is physically limited mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Uh, so he relies more on his wits. Also, can we also, on that note, think about what would have happened if Kaz were not a cripple and was his had that mobility limited? Ooh. I don't really want to think about that. No, he'd, he'd be he'd be dog off of a leash. He could be anywhere <laughs> at any time. <laughs> that would be so terrifying. But like even even with the cane and his leg, he still does a lot. He, yeah, he builds a, a very, it's just as powerful an image. If not, it might even be more powerful in some ways because he is a cripple, but he's the scariest freaking cripple scariest freaking person in this whole town. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need two functioning legs to destroy you. The, the characters in this book are, are all so good and they're believable and they're not like caricatures. Oh no. They're like they're just enough. They're like towing the line of yeah. like this could be ridiculous but it's not. I mean, you got Jesper's the reckless funny one and Wylan is the cinnamon roll and the six man band. <laughs> the six man band. The six crow band. <laughs> As is the Kaz is the ringleader and Edge is that heart assistant person, but they have those twists where like, and Edge is the heart, but she's also out there to murder you. And Kaz is a complicated <laughs> anti-villain, anti-hero. I don't even know what he is, leader. Oh. Yeah. Jesper's got his complicated problems, but loyalties, but causing problems too. He's very flawed. Mm-hmm. He also learns to, to identify with himself. And then Wyland suffers from his own, or not even suffer. He, he traps himself in perceptions of himself. And I don't know, we've all discussed that. They all learn to fight through, they all have an issue and they all learn to fight through it and be themselves and discover themselves and grow. Good job. Beautiful. Amazing. It's probably one of the best books I've read in a long time. Honestly, yes. Yeah. And I think that concludes our discussion of the Six of Crows duology. We've been recording for like an hour and 13 minutes. Yes, we have, because there was just that much goodness to discuss. Granted, the beginning was a little bit of finding our footing, but once we found it, that was solid discussion. Uh Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to discuss books in depth. Especially when there's a lot of goodness to work with. Mm-hmm. Okay, we to discuss Ember in the Ashes. Yes, that would probably be our next discussion. Yeah. I'm working my way through book two. Oh, how's that going so far? It's, it's... I love the Commandant, and I'm terrified by the Commandant. Mm-hmm. She's like my Kaz Wrecker in here, but she's even worse because I don't get to be in her head. I have no idea what she's thinking, but we'll save no. that. We will save that for future discussions. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. All right. Thank you very fun. much for listening. That has been very fun. It has been wonderful discussing this. Mm-hmm. Have a good life. <laughs> Until next time. Yes.